0: We live in a time when there's a lot of discussion about what is true, what is false, what is real, what is fake. We talk about fake news. We talk about uh, what's true and what's not. The Atlanta Constitution Journal, the paper of Atlanta, Georgia... Uh, Put together an online little thing where they said, We're going to give you some true headlines and some false headlines. Some of these really appeared in our paper, some did not. You try to figure out which is which. I'm going to share a few of those with you. And maybe when I share with you the headline, then you can whisper to the person next to you. Or if you're at home, maybe you can involve your kids or you can uh, speak to one another in your house there and just say whether it's true or false in your thinking. And so let me give you these four headlines, and you try to determine whether they really were headlines in the Atlanta Constitution Journal or not. The first one is this, Florida woman looks for cats under bed, finds burglar. You think that's real or fake? Talk to the person next to you, talk to the person there at home with you. This one happens to be a real headline that occurred, that she went looking for cats and found a burglar, and he got arrested. How about this one? Is this true or false, real or fake. This headline, donkey found trespassing on preschool play area. Uh, Think about that, determine and tell someone around you there whether it's true or false, real or fake. This one happens to be false. Sounds like it could happen, but this was not a headline that they ever ran, and so this one is false. Then this one, man robs credit union wearing SpongeBob mask. Is that true or false, real or fake? This one happens to be fake because he actually robbed the bank or the credit union wearing a Darth Vader mask. <laughs> a little different, but they did not run the other uh, headline. Now, this one is probably my favorite Father uses his, camera, uh, his Camaro to pull son's tooth. Is this true or false, fake or real? This actually is real, it's true. A guy actually used his Camaro to pull his son's tooth. I do not encourage that, by the way. That is a true headline. We struggle with having proof as to whether something we read online, someone sends us in social media, is real or fake. When it comes to how we live out our Christian lives, the scriptures talk about how we've gotta be genuine in our faith, that it's easy to have a false or phony faith and not have faith in the right thing, not truly be a follower of Jesus Christ. In the book of James, James, the first century pastor of the church of Jerusalem and the half-brother of Jesus, he has a great emphasis on making sure that when we are followers of Christ that there is living proof in our lives for us and for others to know that we have genuine saving faith. If you open your Bibles to James chapter two, James chapter two, we're gonna be looking at verses 14 through 26. We're going to talk today about living proof. How do we live out the reality? How do we see in ourselves and do we see in the lives of others the living proof of genuine faith in Jesus Christ? And here's going to be the thought as we look at what James has to say in this passage. When God saves a life, that life will never be the same. When God births New life, into a life, that life will never be the same. Living proof will come out. Sometimes it starts just in our perspective or our thoughts. Sometimes it has to do with our relationships, the words we use, the attitude we carry. It has to do with the behavior and actions of our lives. But when God saves a life, that life will never be the same. Living proof will come out. Good works never produce salvation. But salvation always produces good works. That's an important distinction. This is an important message for us to get a hold of, to hear what James is trying to communicate. At times it can seem that James is writing in contradiction to other writers of the New Testament, especially the Apostle Paul, who makes it clear that we are justified by faith alone in Christ, not by works. And James does not disagree with that, but he's saying that genuine faith will show itself through good works. Charles Haddon Spurgeon put it this way, good works are not the root of faith, but they are its fruit, the fruit that comes out of a person genuinely born, again, born into God's family by salvation. Chuck Swindoll talked about Uh, faith and that it's hard to see faith but he says someone has said that faith is like calories you don't see them but you can see the results I may not be able to just walk around and, and look at people and see their faith but I can see the results of their faith when it's genuine faith you can see the results in your own life when it's genuine saving faith when God brings new birth new life is what happens now, James gives us in verses 14 through 20 what living proof isn't, and then in verses 21 to 26, we're going to see what living proof is, what is the living proof of our faith. But let's look at the things that he says living proof isn't, first of all. The first one is living proof isn't good intentions with no real action. It isn't good, inten- good intentions with no real action to follow up those good intentions, Let's look at verses 14 through 17 of James chapter 2. Verse 14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters? Now remember, he's writing to the church of Jesus Christ throughout the Roman Empire in the first century. Many that are in those churches were a part of his church in Jerusalem, and because of persecution, they've spread out, and so he knows them. My brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, they claim to have faith but they have no good works, Can such faith save them? Is that genuine faith? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. They have a need for clothes and daily food. Look at verse 16. If one of you says to that person without clothes or is hungry, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It was never alive in the first place. We can have good intentions that we want to help people and we want to care about the needs of others, but he he sets up this kind of ridiculous scenario where you know someone needs clothes to stay warm. They need food. They're hungry. And you say to the person, go in peace, be warm, but I have no clothes. Be well fed, but I have no food. And we kind of move on. If you've just got a Christianity that's made up of good intentions, that someday you'll do this, or someday you'll do that, or maybe you'll get involved in this way, or you'll get involved in that way, you need to question whether your faith is genuine. Living proof isn't good intentions with no real action. Secondly, living proof isn't bold claims with no outward evidence. People make bold claims that they have faith, that they're a Christian. They prayed a prayer. They walk the aisle. They have something that they just make this bold claim that they have faith. But look what James says in verse 18 of chapter 2. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. He's saying some people just have this bold claim, I have faith. Oh, yeah, you have your good works that show that you have faith, but I just have faith. I've got it. I possess it. They make a bold claim. What if I made the claim to you that I am as as good a guitar player as John Coggins who led worship here this morning? What if I told you that I took almost five years of guitar lessons weekly when I was a kid, when I was a boy? Would that make you think that my claim is accurate? How would you know if my claim that I can play the guitar as well as John is true? How would you know that? The only way you'd know that would be if I actually got out a guitar, played it, and proved it, right? So if you just make bold claims about how you're a Christian or you have that label, that's not proof. That's not living proof that you have genuine saving faith, that you've been born from above, that you have new life in Christ. Thirdly, James says living proof isn't solid beliefs with no impact or having accurate theology. Some people say, well, I must be a Christian because I can explain theology. I've got solid doctrine Well, just to have solid doctrine or accurate theology without it impacting your life is not an indication of genuine saving faith. Look at verses 19 and 20 of James 2. You believe that there is one God. Now, that's a good thing. In the Old Testament, Israel was unique from all the other nations because they believed they had one God. Even in the time in which James is writing, in the Greco-Roman world of the first century, the the claims of Judaism and Christianity to, to being one God. That was the basic foundation of theology. He says, you believe there is one God. Good, that's great. You got theological accuracy. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. It just scares them. Then he goes on to say, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Are you not understanding this, he's saying? You say you have the right beliefs. You have theological accuracy. The demons believe basic theology. As a matter of fact, as you trace the scriptures of what demons believe about God and Jesus, they believe a lot of things the scriptures say about the person of Christ. They even believe the end times. They know their own fate. They believe what God has said about their fate in eternity. But it has no impact on them. And for someone who says, I'm a Christian and I've got these beliefs and this accurate theology, but there's no proof in their life, there's nothing that's come out in the way of life change or or behavior transformation, that's not living proof. See, good intentions, bold claims, solid beliefs, these are not the indications of genuine saving faith inside you. You might be saying, well then, what are some of the first steps of saving faith? What are some of the first steps that come out of a faith genuinely forgiven by God, a faith that produces a life that is, is right with God and knows God? Well, one of the very first steps is believer baptism. You see a pattern in the in the church that people in the early church that people would come to Christ as Savior. Then they'd be baptized as one of the first steps to say to the world, "I want you to know on the outside what's going on in the inside. I've come to Jesus. I want you to know that." Now, last weekend, I had the opportunity of being a part of the services and got to see the various baptisms. And you might have uh, watched online, joined us online for a couple of those, or maybe just one service. Or maybe you were here in the room for one. Let me tell you, the whole weekend was so tremendous to see people just saying, I know Jesus as my Savior, and I want everybody else to know about it. Uh, We put together a 46 or 47-second clip of those baptisms from uh, our young adult service through our three weekend services on Saturday and Sunday. You see children, you see students, you see men and women, adults, who have come to Jesus and they want the world to know it. Watch this clip of the baptisms from last weekend. that great can you hear them can you hear them saying the crowd i mean we we said it last week we say it all the time dead to sin alive in christ them being placed in the waters coming out of the waters is a reminder of the death burial, and resurrection of jesus christ and when we put our faith in jesus who who died was buried and was raised for us we put our faith in him and him alone we are not only forgiven by god but we're given new life that comes from his resurrection life and that beautiful picture but, but baptism is the outward demonstration of the inward reality. It's the, one of the first steps. And if, if you say, you know what, I, I need to take some steps forward to let my faith be known to others and let it out. Uh, we're going to do baptism, as Pastor Jeremy said, coming up in just a couple weeks, November 20th and 21st. What a great opportunity for you to sign up, be a part of baptism. That's one of the earliest steps. If you're you're holding on to things that are just good intentions and and you've just got bold claims or you've got solid beliefs, accurate theology, James says uh, none of that demonstrates the reality of genuine saving faith in a life. So what is the proof? Well, he gives us the proof in verses 21 to 26. Before we go in there, I want to look at a passage of Scripture I think just helps us understand this distinction between what isn't living proof and what is living proof. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus makes this so clear about the relationship between faith and good works, being genuinely saved in good works. There's a common view, a common human view that all religions have and even some forms of Christianity have. We're going to see that common false view. Then we're going to see the biblical view as laid out here in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Paul says in Ephesians 2 and verse 8, for it is by grace, the goodness of God you don't deserve. That grace is what forgives us and gives us new life. We don't deserve that, but he gives it to us out of his goodness. For it is by grace you have been saved, you've been rescued. What are we saved from? Our fallenness, our brokenness before God. Every human being falls short of the holiness of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. The moment, as a boy, I came to understand I was a sinner. I fell short of who God was. I could never rescue or save myself, and I expressed my faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ and what he had done for me. In that moment I expressed my faith. I was saved by God's grace through faith. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. None of us can claim anything about our own salvation. It's all of Jesus. It is the gift of God. It's a gift he offers us. No strings attached. Not by works. Not by good works. This didn't happen by good works. It happened by God's grace and the finished work of Jesus Christ so that no one can boast. We can't brag or boast about our salvation. Now, look at what verse 10 says. He goes on to explain then, where, where do good works come in? I mean, every, everybody says you got to be good enough to get to heaven. You got to go to church. You got to do these things read your Bible, pray, and then maybe someday you'll go to heaven. No, verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship. And the word workmanship is where we get the word poem. We are God's work of art. Created in Christ Jesus, the moment we came to Christ, we became this beautiful work of God's grace, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There is a place for good works in our lives. They come out of, they are the result of the new birth, the new life comes out of us. But good works do not lead to salvation. Good works are the result of salvation. Maybe this will help you just see it kind of in a very simple diagram, if you will. Here's the false view of being a Christian. This is kind of the common wisdom. This is what most world religions say, and even some forms of Christianity emphasize this, that we do good works, and as we do good works, we earn a little grace and a little grace and a little grace. And we get a little of God's goodness and we kind of stack it up and hopefully by the time we die we can say that we have salvation in Christ. We do good works so that we can earn salvation in Christ. That hopefully when we step before God and he's gonna determine whether we enter into his heaven it'll be based on we were better than everybody else, we weren't as bad as others, our good works outweighed our bad. This is the false view, this is not the biblical view the good works lead to salvation in Christ. And so there's an emphasis on that we look Christian to others and to ourselves by our good works. And then maybe someday we will be right before God. Maybe when we step into his presence, we'll be saved and right before him because of everything we've done to get ourselves there. I remember when Pope John Paul II died, you know, one of perhaps the greatest popes in, in Catholic church history and And I remember another Christian leader came out and said, let's pray for Pope John Paul that he made it into heaven, that he did enough. And I'm thinking, wow, if that man didn't do enough, we all ought to be in trouble. There there is this common idea that somehow we got to stack it up and then, or we're following the example of Jesus of good works. No, Jesus did everything we need to be right with God. And so the biblical view flips this around. The biblical view is, I come to this place of salvation in Christ. I come to this moment in my life, whether I'm a child, a student, an adult, uh, whether I've been around a couple decades or many decades, I come to this point and understand I fall short of who God is. I cannot rescue and save myself. I can't forgive myself. I can't make myself right before God. I can't put myself into his family as his son or daughter. But Jesus died, was buried, and was raised for me so that as I express my faith in him, I will be saved by his grace and his grace alone. And when I come to that point, I have salvation in Christ now and forever. And that new life, that new birth, that work of God in me, it begins to come out in the form of good works. He said, we're saved unto good works, not by good works. We're saved by grace unto good works. So the moment I put my faith in Jesus, at that moment, from then and forever, I am right before God, by grace, through faith. I'm right before God, by grace, through faith. And then from that moment forward, my attitude changes, my language changes, my thought life changes, my behavior, my relationships, everything's impacted slowly. Now it's not immediate, it's not the next day, I've got it all together. It's a three steps forward, two steps back. It's the warring of the old flesh and the spirit of God that's now in us. But change happens and we continue to grow and then our light shines to others. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, let your light, you are the light of the world, let your light so shine before men, before other people, that they glorify your Father in heaven. Why? Because they've seen your good works. This comes out of the life that has been saved. And James' emphasis is, if you don't see this coming out of this, then you better look and see if this was ever there in the first place. It it looks pretty dead. He's saying good intentions aren't the indication Bold claims aren't the indication. Solid beliefs and accurate theology aren't because there's no real action. There's no outward evidence. There's no life impact or change. But good works flow out of the life. Now, we have pastor's prayer partners and they pray each weekend for the, the services here at Calvary and usually late in the week, the leader of the group, Craig, will... Uh, text me and say, what can we be praying for you about? And I I told the prayer partners this week, be praying because this is so important for people to get a hold of and understand what James is trying to say. He's trying to make sure we all know what the genuine gospel is. And and that when we're genuinely saved, things are gonna change, new life is gonna come out. Let me just stop and say, if you're here and you've been making bold claims, or you've been trying to make sure your theology is accurate, or you've had good intentions, but you don't see the good works flowing out of you, you don't see God changing anything about you, you don't see yourself wrestling with what it means to walk with Christ, that war between the flesh and the spirit, then you need to examine your life whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Maybe he's saying to you right now, you do not have genuine faith. Your faith was never there. It's just a deadness. You've never been made alive in Christ. Then you need to put your faith in Jesus today. You need to trust him. You need to come to that place where you express your faith in him, and then through that faith, you'll be saved by God's grace. You can sit there right where you are and just talk to God and tell him, God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I need Jesus. I would encourage you, if you're wrestling with this, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, that your faith may not be genuine. It's just something else. It's not true, genuine faith in Jesus. To talk to God right now. Don't listen to the rest of my message. Just talk to God right now. If today's the day you put your faith in Jesus, or you've done that recently, we want to be of help to you. You can text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen, if you're at home, you can text the name of Jesus right now. If you're here in the room, you can text the name of Jesus right now to that number. If you're at home, at the end of the broadcast, there'll be a number on the screen. You can call and talk to a pastor on call, ask questions if, if you've got questions about what it means to know that you are Christ's, that you're part of his family, that you've been saved by his grace, you have new life in him. For those of you here in the room, one of our care team members will be down front after the service. They'll socially distance from you and all, wear the mask, but they'll be here to help you and pray with you. If you've got questions, let us know that you've come to Jesus. We wanna celebrate with you. Text the name Jesus to that number. Reach out to us. This is so important. I've been praying all weekend that no one would leave confused, that all would understand. We come to salvation by God's grace through our faith. And the good works then come out of us. Good works are not a requirement for salvation, they are the result of salvation. Now what's the living proof that James says will come out? He uses two examples. He uses two examples from the Old Testament. Abraham, the father of faith. And then he uses Rahab who would have been his great 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 somewhere great grandmother. Uh, let's look at what he has to say about the what living proof is. The first thing living proof is, is it's obedience to God more and more as you walk with him. Obedience to God. Abraham was a great man of faith. But James says that faith was made evident outwardly by his obedience to God. You remember Abraham? God called Abraham. Abraham to the promised land he told him of you I will make a great nation from your ancestors and Abraham and Sarah were way beyond childbearing years and they're saying uh, Lord we don't have a child how's there going to be a great nation through whom you're going to send him aside to bless all nations if we have no child and he makes this promise to them and, and it, w- it would be 25 years before they'd, they'd have that son Isaac way beyond childbearing years but it would say at the moment he had faith in Genesis fifteen six that his faith was counted to him for righteousness. He was made right before God because of his faith. But then God tests Abraham in Genesis 22. He says, Abraham, take this son, Isaac, who'd been born. Now he's a young man, probably in his uh, mid to late teens. Take him to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him to me as a sacrifice on an altar. And Abraham takes Isaac. They travel a couple of days. He gets all the things that are needed. Isaac even notices they don't have a lamb for the sacrifice, which is a little odd. Father, where's where's the animal for the sacrifice? And he says, God will provide the lamb, son. God will provide. He raises up the knife. And just before he brings the knife down, God stops him so it says your your the evidence of your faith is there. You can see it, Abraham. Your son Isaac can see it, but there's the lamb. Sacrifice this lamb, not your son. And look what Look what James has to say about what Abraham did in relationship to his faith that happened a quarter of a century earlier that was counted to him for righteousness, but then how the proof of that faith came out. Look at verses 21 to 24. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Then you move on to verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Considered righteous. The the idea is that we can observe as human beings, God knows the heart, and, and we can observe about ourselves and about others the reality of faith based on the things that come out, the work of God that comes out in their life. He says, Abraham, yes, was counted, his faith was counted for righteousness before God a quarter of a century earlier than the time he was willing to obey God to such an extreme. But it was obvious in that moment that he really believed God would provide, that God would take care, that God would fulfill his promise, and that Abraham knew he needed to obey. You see, the living proof that we are followers of Jesus Christ is when we walk in obedience to his word. Again, it doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we don't struggle. It doesn't mean there isn't a three steps forward, two steps back. But it means our heart's desire is to walk in obedience. And more and more over time, as people watch our lives over the days and weeks and months and years, after we come to Jesus, they can see God changing us. That's the evidence of the faith, the saving faith inside us. Faith alone justifies us, makes us right before God, But faith that justifies is never alone. Good works flow out of that, and our obedience is a sign that our faith is real. It's the living proof. Are you walking in obedience to God? His second example is Rahab. Rahab, the prostitute. And she demonstrates obedience to God, but but goes another level. In his example here of Rahab, James is saying she had compassion for others. That was part of the proof that her faith in God was real. She had compassion for others. And when we have compassion for others, it grows more and more as you love like him. As we walk with him, we walk into obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. As we walk with him, we learn to love him and serve him and obey him more. But when we begin to see the world and people through his eyes of love and grace, and as we talked about last week, through the eyes of mercy then our compassion grows deeper and our compassion begins to change how we treat other people. There's a compassion for others that comes out of the life that is genuinely born again, that's born from above. Compassion for others more and more as you love like him. Let's look at verses 25 and 26 here, the the last two verses of the passage. In the same way, was not even Rahab. Now whenever you see her name in the Bible, you got this that follows, the prostitute. Wow. He's gonna talk about the faith of a prostitute. Not even Rahab, the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. If, If you say you have faith, but the good works aren't there, then you never really had faith. It's been dead all along. You haven't had the genuine saving faith that comes by expressing your faith in Jesus and what he's done for you. If you remember the story of the nation of Israel, Moses led them out of bondage in Egypt, and they went to the promised land. Several months after they left, they arrived at the doorstep of the promised land, and uh, Moses sent in 12 spies, one for every tribe. Ten came back and said, oh, we could never go in there. We could never conquer those people. Two, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, we can go in there. God can give us this city. We trust our God. But the people listened to the ten. God said, well, then you're going to wander for 40 years in the wilderness until you come back to this place, and the whole older generation is going to die because you wouldn't trust me. Now it's been 40 years. Moses has just died. Joshua, one of those two spies, is now the leader, and he sends in two spies instead of ten or instead of twelve. Sends in two and the two go into the city and they come to uh, this woman, this, this prostitute and, and they're being tracked down by the authorities of the city and she hides them under some grain and, and then she points them in a different direction of where the authorities are because she says, I've heard of your God. I believe your God is the true God and they say to her, because of your faith, Hang a red rope outside your window. And her window would have been inside the wall of the city. They put all the poor and powerless inside the walls, the thick walls of the city. let them have homes there because then when invaders came, the first people to be killed were the poor and the powerless. They were kind of part of the human shield against the invaders. But they said, you hang a, a red rope outside your window and when the walls fall and we take the city, your section won't fall and we will not harm you or your family because of your faith." When the walls fell, her part stood and she and her family became a part of the nation of Israel as they moved into the promised land. But her faith in God was a simple, clear faith. But then it caused her to obey God and have compassion for those two spies. Part of what God does when a life has been redeemed and saved by his power is he not only gives us a new desire to walk in obedience to him, because of his grace in our lives, but it gives us a new focus of compassion and love toward others. It comes out of, of who we are. Have you seen God change the compassion in your life? That's part of the proof that your faith is genuine and real. Maybe you've been holding on to some bold claims and some good intentions and accurate theology and say, okay, that's the proof. That's not the proof. The proof of what is what comes out because of the work of God in you. The proof is you begin to walk more and more in obedience to him. The proof is that you have more and more compassion as you love others like he loved. It will come out. We support a ministry that reaches into Iran and trains up the church there, and God's doing a great work in the church of Iran. Back in November of 2019, pastors Brian Field, Brian Howard, Jeremy Haynes, and myself we were in Istanbul, Turkey, and a lot of those who were Christians who were imprisoned in Iran were kicked out of the country if they were released from prison, and, and they live in Turkey, and there's kind of the, the church there that can't get back in their own country, but they're doing what they can to encourage and, and build up the church in Iran from outside the nation. We met a man named Farshid. He'd been a pastor, and it's illegal to be a Christian in Iran, so he'd been arrested. He was in prison, in Ivan prison, Evan prison in Tehran, which anybody who knows anything about Iran knows that's the worst prison. People are very badly treated. He was in prison for five years for being a Christian, for holding a church service in his home. He was beaten badly. He was put in solitary confinement for almost an entire year where he wasn't supposed to speak, sing, make any noise, all by himself in a cell mistreated and beaten for the time he was not in that cell he he actually was in an area where there were 200 prisoners and they all shared the same bathroom shower room with sinks and he said with 200 people from different cultures and they were all uh, many of them were prisoners were were criminals that had done all kinds of things these he said these bathrooms were nasty and terrible but once every five days, they were required to, as a team of prisoners, they were required to clean the bathrooms. But he and, and fellow prisoners who were in there because of their Christian faith, they decided to volunteer to clean the bathrooms as often as possible because when they were in the bathroom, they would sing songs and, of praise and worship to each other. They would quote verses to one another. And the guards didn't care because they thought, if you're singing to your God in in a bathroom, a nasty, dirty bathroom. Your God's not that important. Sing and say whatever you want to say. But, but they, they, were, they had so much that was inside them that wanted to come out because they were followers of Christ. He said that the song just wanted to come out of our heart. We just sang about that in the song before I preached where it talked about the song in my heart. It, it's a new song that comes out. And the sweet evidence of their faith came out of their lives while cleaning nasty, dirty toilets, singing praise, and verses together, sharing verses together. Where in your life is the evidence that you are indeed God's child? Where has the obedience, where has the compassion come out of your life because God saved you and has done a work in you? When God saves a life, brings new birth, new life comes out in one way or another. So now what? What does that mean for us? Now what? Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Paul said it so clearly in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Take a look. Do you see the evidence? James wants us to pay attention, not to just keep living out a dead faith. We need to have a genuine faith that comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And after you do that examination, if you have been holding on to false proof of bold claims, accurate theology, good intentions, then it's time for you to trust Jesus truly as your Savior today. Put your faith in Christ. If you look and you say, wait, I can see the obedience. I can see what God's been doing. The attitude change, the thought life, the words, the behavior, the relationships. I still struggle. I'm still growing. But I can see it. If you are demonstrating living proof in your life and you can see it, look for ways to grow your obedience and compassion more and more and allow God to be seen in you. Because we want everybody to know about the somebody who saved us. Our world needs to see the followers of Christ shining brightly so they'll see our good works and glorify our Father because they'll understand there's something different about us and they'll be drawn to Christ. Look at your life. Do you see the living proof? If not, come to Jesus. If you do, ask God to continue to grow you in your obedience and your compassion so others can see Jesus in you. Father, we pause and, and seriously want to make sure that we look at our lives and we've not bought into some lie from Satan that this claim or this theology or, or this good intention is what indicates we're a believer. May we be able to see your work in us and those who are wrestling and the Holy Spirit is saying to them now, you aren't genuinely God's child. May they come to Jesus today and may it move from just something they think about in their head to something deep in their hearts. And then, Lord, that new life you give us because of the resurrection of Jesus, may we live it out wherever we go. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.